Welcome to the Positive People Posse Living Room. I'm your host, Dom Green. I have a special guest today. His name is Nico Giles. And you know what? I'm This has been long awaited. It's been a year since I've actually did an interview with you, but I was on your show and now you're on right. mine. And so, Here we go. you know, this, I think it's uh, a lot's happened in the past year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, you know, both of us being African-American men see mm -hmm. a lot of things that are going on and happening right now. And obviously we have a pandemic right in the middle of it. And then layer on, on top of that, we're in the election year. Right. And, you know, it just seems like uh, there's a lot of sensitivity. There's a lot right. of uh, turmoil. There's a lot of like, just not knowing like what's going to happen. I feel like the world's just falling apart. So, mm -hmm. uh, Nico, so how are you, man? Sorry, sorry, I had to just, I had to talk no. so long. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you, that's how you, it. no, I'm, I'm trying to just take it day by day, you know, um, you know, it's interesting, man. I just feel like this has really been a season for me of being present prior to COVID happening, prior to everyone being on quarantine, prior to things slowing down. It's just really been a season of trying to be more present. Uh, actually, right before um, COVID and all that happened, I finished a book called Sil Silence is the Key by Ryan Holiday, a great, great author on stoicism. Um, but I've just actually been rereading that book during this season as well, just to kind of reiterate that within myself, that, that it's, I think the season right now is really just about being present. And, you know, because it, it, it's, so, it's so hard to plan out into the future as it is, and so many things are adjusting. And of course, you know, there's something to be said about planning ahead and being progressive and planning those few years out. And, and to some degree, I'm, I'm certainly still concentrating on that. But during, just specifically during this season, I'm trying to give much more of my energy um, towards just being present and taking things as they come and managing my own internal emotions um, and, then, and then addressing and, and adjusting when we're out of this season. So then, you know, what does the future look like? But that's been helping me a lot to just manage all of the chaos that's been happening during this year, during this season is being present with myself and with those around me and really just managing through this, this process through this pandemic together. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I, I will say that you actually helped me uh, in the meantime, it was, it was like a month or a month and a half ago, you know, mm -hmm. uh, obviously just watching every representation on TV and, you know, everywhere we go, um, you know, there's like, there's internal rage, there's external rage that's happening. And, you know, um, I called another man like, uh, like me, uh, a man of color. Uh, and, you know, we talked for about an hour, hour and a half. I don't know how long it was, but right. it was long <laughs> enough for me to, to feel the impact. You know, you and I can both be very long winded in our conversations. And uh, I think that comes from passion. But one thing that I do recall from that conversation not so long ago was, you know, hey, uh, everyone's running their leg of the race, you know, and um, just because uh, people may want you to be very reactive, you don't have to be reactive. You know, you can uh, have your own angle and you said nothing but respect for what I do. Um, you know, I don't ever want anyone to think that we're trying to put the pressure on what you need to believe coming from me. You know, positive people possibly is meant to be, uh, you know, place a safe haven for conversation for um for people to represent something about positive mindset you know we're all striving towards something uh internal growth personal growth um you know uh, even your, your 
business growth or whatever your aspirations may be, yeah. you know, that's what uh, I want, wanted this brand to represent. And obviously unifying, um, you know, we're coming at it at a different angle with uh, unifying people. But I do believe that all messages need to be represented, even the ones that we don't want to hear. Um, mm. You know, I think, you know, with the polarizing view of, you know, of the KKK, uh, I almost want to know that people are racist rather than, you know, not right. racist. Like, like oh, I'm not racist and hide behind. So, no, I want you to be who you are and just say it because then right, right. it allows people to see that. You well, know? you know, that's what's, what's so interesting to me or that I've, and that I'm experiencing during this time is we're, we're moving more towards a discussion of either racist or anti-racist. And I think that I think it's really powerful and it's calling on people to either, you know, if you are not a part of the revolution, you are a part of the problem type of thing. And it's calling to say, and to your earlier point, I mean, you got to go out there and march. I don't mean you got to dis. I mean, I hope you dismantle white supremacy. Place. But what it means is that you are choosing to stand on the side of anti-racism and find some way to actively get involved, to find some way, if, even if you're just for the first time picking up a book and reading about, you know, literature and re that, that uh, helps you understand the context and the structure of institutional racism that we live in, whatever it is, I think that that's what's so powerful to me right now is like, we, we're now within an ethos that for a lot of people who have been doing this work that I was mentored and trained under and now kind of doing it myself is like, we're in a place where it's like, you, you can't just say I'm not racist. Anymore. you have to say I'm anti-racist and what that and, and in order to stand on that it's like what doing to be anti-racist not just simply how are you not being racist or or I don't you don't have evidence of being racist therefore you're not racist it's that you're either or you're anti-racist because to exist complicitly in a in the American is to exist as a racist and that I think is such a big shift that's that people are grappling with and wrestling with for the first time I've seen, especially older generations, is like, you can't just complicitly obey the system. That The system is, is inherently racist. So yeah. to just complicitly obey the system is to participate in racism. And, and I think that that shift in mindset, for some has been really good and really healthy. And for others, of course, whether it be because they don't want to change their own personal behaviors or because they get really uncomfortable talking about race, or because they like the world the way that it is, you know, that confrontation is the one I'm now ready to address. The confrontation of, oh, I'm not racist. You know, I have a black friend. I'm not like I'm, I'm like that was like 20 years ago conversation. Now There's levels to this. Right now, it's like, what are you doing to dismantle systems of institutional racism? If you're not doing anything. And like I said, it could be as simple as educating yourself. But if you're yeah. not doing anything, then you're on the side of the oppression. You were right. You were right about the um, the aspect of like, you know, you, you have to start with some, like somewhere at some point mm -hmm. in time. You know, like we all have to learn about something at some point in time and it's brand new. Like for me, you know, racism uh, was, was very brand new to me uh, at the age of eight, maybe, uh, when mm -hmm. I was called the n-word for the first time i didn't know what it really was uh but i just remember the word being repeatedly uh, you know uh, said to me and then um then when i knew what the impact of that word meant you know mm -hmm. it, it began to hurt longer 
long after. Mm. And you just think about that, you know, being singled out as a black kid in a suburban America, um, you know, you remember like people are learning things, you know, so where are you learning these traits? Like, why would a kid my age know that word? You know, like right, 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 right. they are learning that. And that's, uh, that's not just, you know, that's just one representation. But, you know, overall, one thing that I really admire about you and we'll let, let the listening audience kind of know who you are. Um, you've actually did documentaries on uh, systemic racism uh, that had a lot to do with our real estate, you know, yeah. real estate within our community that we both grew up in, Kansas City community. Yeah. And that documentary was on PBS. And, um, you know, talk a little bit about that, you know, talking about the systemic racism that um, yeah, is still sure. with us today. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so to personalize it, um, you know, my, I started my career in education and particularly, or the first job I had was being a program manager for an African-American male teacher education scholarship program. So I had just finished my undergraduate degree. I was working at a um, community foundation and was recruited back to my alma mater to, for grad school in, in education to help start this program. So I think I was, you know, 20, 21, 22 at the time. And I didn't yet know that I was being put in position to be the young black face to talk about and handle issues of race for a large white institution. And that happens any, look, you can point at any institution, right? The token black guy, as we like to call it, you can point at any institution and this person exists. And I think at that at that point at that time I didn't I didn't quite understand what I was being utilized for. Now certainly there was a give and take to it from my school. I was getting a graduate degree. I was now working at a, at a highly respectable institution, and so there was some trade off there. But as I so I did from that, we had a really successful start with that, which pushed me to um, helping to start a university wide black retention and graduation program. And then that pushed me to to doing work more deeper into the into the university and into the institution, and so at that point, you know, about three years in, I realized what the power dynamic was, and um, and what I was really up against by by being this young black and male to address issues of race on behalf of white institutions, and I think that. It's a very slippery and dangerous slope whenever we allow the structures of institutional racism to pinpoint one person, especially to pinpoint a person of color, to be the person that now handles and deals with issues of institutional racism. And, and, um, and you see that everywhere, you know, that typically at, at the largest corporations in the country, the only person of color on the executive board is the chief diversity officer. And, and that person is subjugated to handling all issues that have to deal with race so that corporate Americans can go on and worry about their quarterly earnings and dividends. Like what, you know, so that, that was like this, this awareness or coming, coming to awareness moment I, I had uh, three, three years into that, into my profession and pursuit of education, um, pushed me to leave the institution and to go back to my hometown and to work in the urban core of my home, just be to just, at the time, I would say where I was coming to was that if I was going to handle issues of race, 
I wanted to better understand the complexity of these issues. And so moving to the community and doing things of that nature. And then, yeah, and so not soon after, um, with the background in media, started getting more into media to try and share these stories and to, and to share the experiences that I was learning and to help spread awareness um, beyond just my own voice. And, um, and that, that soon on a documentary that you mentioned for PBS um, that was focused on housing discrimination as, as one way to help better explain and articulate this, this structure, you know, this woven fabric of institutional racism that we live within, that it's not, that everything is interconnected um, in so many different ways. And so the one was focused on housing discrimination and uh, particularly two, two practices, one um, racially restrictive covenants that bar black families from buying property and neighborhoods, i.e. increasing value in, in neighborhoods with property of increasing value um, that bar black families from buying into that uh, let's say vehicle for for middle class American wealth, and the second was um, redlining, which um, is a term used for what was called residential security maps, which were maps placed on every city across the country that designated areas from four grades, red being the worst, green best, and banks would not loan money to areas with a red designation, and, and as I'm sure you can guess, every black neighborhood in America designation. So it was this kind of compounding effect of increasing property on one side of the fence, decreasing property on the other, um, that barred a lot of Black families from entering into the vehicle of middle-class wealth that we see today. You know, one thing I will say about that, you know, um, that documentary, I was at the premiere. Um, what was the, the church that was held at Bethlehem? Oh, sec, uh, sec, uh, 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 Metropolitan Missionary Baptist. That's what it was. That's what it was. I looked. I looked around afterwards, and you know, I saw people in tears. You know, mm, wow. uh, you know, I'm not sure if you recognized it or wow. saw that. You know, like a lot of times when I've done public speaking or whatever, you know, we're, we're wrapped up in the emotion for this moment, and you, you don't really get to like really take it all in as you really want to. You know, right, like right, right. Of course. You know, but the reactions that I saw, you know, it, it was it was very impactful. It was very impactful. And I hope to see more of stuff like that because I think it just comes down to the humility as a human being. Like um, when you realize, you know, there's disparaging differences with people. Like again, like I talked to you today about the uh, that Jennifer um, Jennifer girl with the ADA uh, Act, mm -hmm. um, the Adults with Disabilities Act. You know how she had to crawl up the stairs to basically try to help get this. This bill passed because of her disabilities and paraplegics not having the same uh, the same uh, rights as other human beings just to make their lives a lot easier. You know, when you see representations of people like the, the, the physical aspect, right? It's you can see it, but when it's uh, with racism, there's been this uh, this invisibility cloak of anything. Mm -hmm. Like you you just don't see it the same way and. People can say that they have better intentions or this is why things are there, but like, you know, there's, there's definitely some differences, you know, I think it's good that we're starting to have more conversations about it now and it doesn't need to be super abrupt. It doesn't need to be super violent at all. Right. Um, there's so many angles, but it, like good, getting back to what you were saying, you know, the education aspect, I think it is important. 
And going back to the education aspect, I do realize that when I grew up um, in the Olathe Johnson County uh, systems and probably just like the, the national standards of education, uh, I realized that there was a lot that was left out. You know, there's, and so even, even me as an adult in his thirties, I still have so much to learn. And I realized that, you know, I, that's on me. That's my, I have, that's on me. I have to do the learning. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, I have to educate myself and, um, hopefully most people are trying to surround themselves with so many different aspects of learning, not just one narrative because the truth is somewhere in, in the middle. But I will say this, there's a lot that was left out. You know, there's a lot that was and left out. Lot, and yeah. so, you know, um, as, as black men, as also just human beings, every aspect of America, people are not getting the entirety of, of history. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, and I think that's, that's really what's happening right now. If anything, we're getting more historic quality during these right. times right now that can be documented, that mm. can be represented, that will in, in, in time, and it'll probably expose a lot more, it'll, it'll resurrect the history right. of the past. Right. Or hold, hold, hold people accountable, at the very least, hold people accountable for the false narratives that they keep perpetuating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I can't, I can't be mad at every individual because of their skin color and I have never have been like, Oh, you're white. You're, you're the devil. No, that's not who I am. You know, I'm all about all people, you know, um, but the conversation will come up at some point in time uh, about race, no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, I personally have went to jobs and, you know, I had a really awesome job, you know, six figure flex. Like, I mean, it was well over six figures making really good money. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that interview, I remember them saying, hey, so you're going to be going down to the South. Well, there's some good old boys and, you know, there there's, could be some uncomfortable conversations and things that could happen. How would you react? And, well, you know, that's a converse. That's why are we having this conversation if race isn't an issue? Right. 100%. So, um, you know, these things do need to be talked about. There are distinguishable differences just because I enunciate my words different. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just because I, you know, I come from the suburbs uh, doesn't make me less black. It doesn't make me, um, doesn't make me not feel uh, mm-hmm. the impact of what a lot of my people uh, have, have faced, like my ancestors and and people and um, so I, I definitely know that um, you know I, I think that we put people in categories often but there's there's an impact that we're all impacted by this like we are all impacted by this right now the, the racial divide that we have seen it's coming up right now we are all impacted by this yeah just like right. COVID <laughs> yeah right 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 the second some more than others but you know yeah, a systemic pandemic and a health <laughs> systemic pandemic. pandemic. I haven't heard that. Systemic <laughs> pandemic, man. This has been this has been happening. Actually, I, I I don't don't quote me on this, but I I think I saw something recently in Kansas City and found that said more based upon the violence that Kansas is experiencing this year, a uh, black person is more likely to die from gun violence than from COVID. And so it's like 
I get it. You know, we're worried about COVID. It's a big deal. We're taking all these precautions, but the same precautions to save a life from gun violence. And yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just very tough. You know, it's very telling. So you are in living in LA right now. I am, I am. Yeah, I'm back and forth a lot, given the. I mean, a lot relative to to the time. You know, I wish I could be spending more time, but just the nature of how things are opening back up in different markets. Um, so I should say, fortunately, I'm going back home to work on some projects and and um, yeah. So so I'm, I'm here probably about 70% of the time and then back to KC about 30% of the time. So tell me about, you know, what, um, like maybe from your perspective, how LA, uh, what you've, you've seen uh, with the protests and uh, versus mm. Kansas City. I, if you spent, you know, mm. a little bit of time mm. in both mm. markets during these times, you know, what have you seen? Yeah, the I, differences so I ha haven't actually um, been to any of the protests in Kansas City. Sorry, can you hear that? That's a classic, <laughs> L, that's a classic L, L, LA moment when someone pulls up on a, on a motorcycle. <laughs> um, then you, the, motor, the motorcycle speakers are classic and the people like pull up in like trucks with speakers out the back of the truck, yeah. just driving, okay. down, drive, driving down the, um, driving down the, the road. It's classic. Um, that's what but, they used um, to do with the mixtapes back in the day. Right, right. That's how you do poopy, poopy. <laughs> um, no, man. So one of the, one of the quorums I first had with, um, when, with, uh, being here in LA as everything was unfolding was I felt like I had done so much work to push issues of race consciousness in my own city to, but to not be there during such a time like, um, and, and that was something I really struggled with, you know, but I still chose to get out and participate to the best of my ability here in LA. So we went to, I think three different protests and yeah, man, it was intense, dude. Like the first one was like, I think the, the weekend after George Floyd's murder and we, uh, so it was like very unorganized. It was like something kind of got pushed out and spread and everyone showed up. And that was like, you know, the one where we saw like buses on fire and, and police fire and people, you know, ravaging through buildings. And like, it was like, we were, <laughs> my fiance and I were like, uh, we, you know, we were, we were here for the protest. I mean, if you're there, you're guilty. So, you're like putting yourself um, in a bad position. You're like, man, I, I didn't come here. I didn't come here. To get I, mean, I, I mean, I, you know, I felt it, you know, it was, it was the pure anger, you know, it was like what, what you saw in Minneapolis, like, I think was like the day or two after, which was, you know, then the first couple of protests in cities across the country after that were a reflection and representation of that first rage that was experienced in Minneapolis burning the police station. You know, it was the rage people had and that people felt were angry about. But yeah, so that was the first one we went to. And then we took we took a break and waited until there was some more organization around. <laughs> and, and we just really wanted to be purposeful with what we were supporting at the same time, you know. And, um, so then, so have been have been involved at this point now. Have been involved in supporting an organization. Shout out called We the Movement LA. We've went to now, you know, a handful, a dozen or so of, of organizations and and things that they're doing every Sunday. I think it is or Wednesday. They they do two ones at a park, ones at City Hall. Um, and and the beautiful thing about those and participating in those now over time is that. It's a group that is that is addressing systemic issues, but 
is focused on black joy and that mm-hmm. at the heart of what they're doing is black joy at the heart of why they're why they are showing up at the end of the day is about black joy and um and it's incredible man so it's so it's 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 there's a protest at the beginning and there's it's you know it's intense and direct and purposeful um but but soon after you know it's a party and, and yeah. they, they describe it that way that now that we you know we're not going to allow the weight of this dim the light of the joy of who we still are as humans and so that's, that. that's a that's a movement that we've been involved in participating with since since all of this has happened and, and it's great yeah you know one thing that um i have noticed um and someone had made mention of this is fact that back in the, the 60s and 70s when protests were happening there was only a few groups you know there's only a few groups that you fall in and now it's like so many satellite operations that mm-hmm. like you've got you've got the people that are like straight up let's burn the city down <laughs> and then, and then, right. then you got and then you got all these people are communicating different different things and like we're, we're all there, but right. all of us have like different ideas yeah. of like what they, how to represent, um, you know, a movement and actually show your support. And you right. know, me, I'm on the, the end of the spectrum where it's like, hey, I, I want more conversations. You know, I, I definitely mm-hmm. want to, I want to see people in packs, but I mm-hmm. want people to be there in solitude, right? You know, like right. to have conversations and be the, the protest that I, I went to was in Harlem and um, mm. and this was at Central Park and I'm telling you it was probably one of the most chilling times you know like just to see like how impactful you know getting mm. people together for a, a cause where it's not causing violence you know it's really mm. it's not there to be silent at all people are mm. definitely there to educate themselves and I could tell that this is the first time for a lot of people to join a protest. It was my first time to be a part of a protest, really. Right, you know, right, and, right. And, uh, and so seeing, seeing that, seeing the impact, you know, of like seeing these, these voices and how people got together of all shades, of all shades, you know, that, that was positive people posse right there. It's just like seeing all shades being represented. Yeah, that's, been, that's been that's interesting with the pro here and I'm, I'm I'm hoping and I'm guessing elsewhere in, in larger progressive uh, cities across the country is you know it's it's such a diverse group of people just like black people out there marching for their own lives it's like other people we were at one of the protests we were at <laughs> I'll never forget this it was like you know the line of police and and then you just see like you know people kind of scattered amongst and then there's a there's a, a black guy who like turns around and yells to the crowd like white people to the front <laughs> like you just see like all like without hesitation like all the white people went to went to the front um and, and, and almost as a barrier between between the and black people and it was just such a powerful moment of like you know where we're at that there's a large enough group of let's just say you know other than black people who are going to stand up for black lives I don't want to ever think that that's is what it would take that it is necessary for other people to care about black lives or black lives to matter but i do think consequentially that it will have more of an impact um whenever when people unite you know that's what we're both that's what we're both such a believer in and so that was just a really compelling moment to see 
and just you know in of the moment like this wasn't a this wasn't an organized you know scene of like let's make white people look good it was like you got to do it right now or it's not happening yeah and, and a lot of people stepped up to that moment and so uh one word that you did say uh was progressive in progressive cities um us both being from the midwest uh, mm -hmm. from the same town um, mm -hmm. how do you feel like the progressiveness is came about with Kansas City and maybe the last decade or what you're noticing right now what are the distinguishable differences <laughs> well I think there's a reason I'm in LA you're in yeah. New York <laughs> yes 100 yeah, yeah. So, so um man you know I don't want to be I don't want to be harsh and I don't want to be negligent of the efforts taking place but I but more so, I don't want to allow room for half-assed effort to be seen as progressive work. Yeah. And so I would say that I would say that it's man, it's not good, dude. It's not good. I mean, if you're following, like for example, the um, the PPP loans that that were coming out, um, right? I read an article by the Kansas City Star that said um, millions, millions of dollars in PPP to private schools and I believe also a uh, public charter I think that was a was in Kansas City Missouri School District private schools and public charter received millions in PPP loans while Kansas City public received zero dollars and and it's so you know if if if, if you're if, as a city if you don't have an uproar about that about the the continual disinvestment over decades continual all the way from when you know, 15 schools had to shut down to now with the continual disinvestment. If you're, and this goes back to my point of either you are a racist or anti-racist. If you are not in an uproar as your issue, right? If you're in education, whatever, you know, pick and choose your battles type of thing, but then you are complicit in participating in the system, in the system as it is. There goes your siren nest. Uh, LA vibes part two is a siren. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> well, Welcome, welcome. No, I, I totally, I totally but, feel. You know, it's 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 outrageous, man. Just the things, the things our our city is is. Um, it's outrageous to me because I'm I'm uncomfortably conscious, but mm -hmm. um. You know this it's it, the systemic issues are deep, and so to me, I, I don't know if I would say it's progressive at all. I would say I would say that it's extremely complicit and moves only when. Only when it absolutely has to in the direction that is that it is. Yeah, you know, I I would say that you know, it's uh, it's wild to look at like a town like uh, St. Louis compared to Kansas City. There's some distinct why, why differences. Um, St. Louis has been on the. Uh, it seems like the, the town has almost like lost its energy uh, when, when I've been to St. Louis. It, it wasn't the same from when I used to go to St. Louis. Like there was this, there was this energy that's like kind of left. And I don't know if it's just because of the sports team mm. or, um, or the Brown, uh, um, Brown events. Yeah. The Michael Brown incidents, but you know, I would, I would hope that um, we can look at, other cities as lessons and and also with the progression aspect you know I live in New York you live in LA um, is it is it on the outside perspective like you only know what you know 
when you live right. somewhere, right? For sure. So, yeah. so what do I do? So do I do I take everything that I learn in a different environment and then I bring it back home? But like, who can we move if people are, you know, complicit? You know, if they're, right. if they're, they're just complacent about their um, their life and right. and not wanting sure. to move the needle forward. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think about that often. You know, I'm like, what would it take for people to? I see that they're standing, you know, and they're, they're voicing on social media, but what does it really take? You know, right. and that's so, it's so tough, but um, yeah, man, I, I don't have the answers. And, and the thing about it is that's, that's with education, you know, like we can't be so reactive all the time. We actually, being reactive has actually hurt us so many times. I'm talking about like society in general. So we need to come with a better plan constantly. We need to, need to start doing not just appeasing people and just like making one race feel good for now because right. once that's all done you know it ain't hot mm. it ain't cool and no more to be black you know like <laughs> like i'm not trying to be a record i'm not trying to be a rap record at all you know like right, 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 like right. i want to be a classic okay like can we all right. be classic <laughs> like right, can we all right, work right. together and understand that like there is there is we, we have to have to do things that make things more progressive but it is it starts yeah. with the system right yeah it's a lot of work yeah man it's a, it's, a, lot, it's of a lot of work we're gonna it's, be it's, dead we're gonna be right, dead right. before we that's, see change right and that's and that's been that's been a really valuable kind of awareness moment that i've been through that's allowed me to be more present is like you know we'll make marginal progress in our lifetime but it certainly won't dismantle this that we see as the bigger picture that needs to be dismantled and so it's um so it's like realize you know realizing that you're a link in a chain of, and figuring out the bandwidth and capacity that you fit within and then where you can optimize your personal and your group's energy and the collective energy in a way that allows you to maximize that link you know instead of trying stretch so wide that that you actually dissolve your efforts into nothing you know that's that's just moment of awareness I've been coming to and, and the biggest part of that is really the self you know is really knowing my own energy is what I was saying going back present is like really really getting still and quiet with myself to find my own rhythm and my own energy because as I mentioned coming into my career I was kind of things were placed on me you know and I took on those identities like I now represent black male educators I now represent black students at my university or I now represent, and it was like those were placed on me to where I didn't quiet and still myself at any point to say, who am I most authentically? And then within the identity of, of a professional, how can I go out and represent that identity most authentically? And so that's really where I've been at recently is trying to really quiet and still myself what's most authentic to me and not be utilized for a system or for the gain of others or, or to check a box for someone else or, or yeah. to go out and be asked to do a task themselves wouldn't do and things of that nature. No, I completely understand. Um, like that's, that's a lot of responsibility and, you know, um, yeah, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> That'd be an uncomfortable feeling right there. Feeling like you have to speak on behalf of everyone, you know, like yeah. I, I get in those situations all the time where people are like, I had a conversation not too long ago and one of my, one of my friends, I'll call him my friends, uh, 
he called me up and he said, Dom, I just, just don't believe in racism. As in what, what he was articulating was, I don't believe that it exists is what he was telling me. I was like, I told him, I don't believe in racism either. Like, like I don't, <laughs> like as if, like I don't, I don't believe like it should be accepted, accepted you know what I mean? Like, uh, you believe that racism is really there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like we have to be open and honest about that, but like, you know, it's just acknowledging it's not enough, you know? Um, right. But right. for me- It's a very important, it's, it's such an important step though that I've realized, you know? Like, yeah. Because if you can get a large enough group to acknowledge it, then there is the collective, I don't want to say allowance, but unfortunately that's, I think is a fair description. There's the collective allowance to now do something about it, right? Like if everyone in the group acknowledges an issue, when a solution is put forward, we've already acknowledged there's an issue here. So either you can, you can, you can dismiss this solution, but you better come with another one, you know? No doubt. And, and so I think in a, a collective awareness is really important, man. We were told back in school, right? We were told such a beautiful bow story of like, you know, Rosa Parks, MLK, Malcolm X, boom, everyone's free, you know? And it's like, we, we were told, we, it, it, they did such a good job of putting a beautiful bow on it that we grew up believing that everyone is, is treated fairly. And um, I think we have a real moment right now to reconstruct that in a way that creates space for acknowledging that there's still a lot of work to do. Well, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, that bow tie is kind of like the, the 90s black movie where <laughs> right, the, right. at the end of the, the movie, it's like Tyrell went on to college and <laughs> then became, right. then became right. a successful Defi- business owner. <laughs> right, defiance Defi- Defi- against them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, dude, the nine, the nineties and early two thousands for for black people was like the golden era. As much at, at, which, which which is so interesting because as much as uh, the fact that it was it was coming out of the crack epidemic, it was it was like the buildup of all these things, the the continual displaced families in education of neighborhoods. It was like the continual subjugation of these uh, of of was happening at the same times beautiful i mean the birth of hip-hop the birth of what what could now be called the first pillar of black wealth i've been hearing people describe it that way, um is now emerging you know and or was emerging now it's all been robbed and, and now white people own all the black music but um it's it's uh it was such a time of of celebration of black culture but i think to that point of the first pillar of black wealth the reason that 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 movement did not spill over into the success of the next and the next was we don't own any of that yeah epic epic records owns it you know etc the all these multi-billion dollar companies own black own what should have been black wealth to be redistributed into black communities well Um, i also look at it like you know it's unfortunate that you know music and sports are the representation of black wealth in general Mm. and uh, Mm -hmm. you know so it's yeah it's very unfortunate that you know like the the getting a solid look at something else and having other representation like i want to see it all you know like i want to see everyone being you know it's like i i love like i'm all about my music and i can see that like um owning a culture in music like 
through hip hop, through, through jazz, you know, all of this, um, you know, so much um, histories came from, you know, black music. And um, I just think that like, when you have been deprived from looking at business, you know, looking at it as I'm a business entity as a person, you right. know, and doing, taking those right, right steps, mentorship has not been there for a lot of us because we don't have yeah. a lot, you don't have an abundance of right. uh, mentors right. that can actually help right. us in many sectors. Right. And, uh, you know, still to this day, like even, even with me, uh, you know, Positive People Posse 3P Media is a digital media marketing company. You know, mm-hmm. what we're, what I'm after is uh, working with clients and all I'm asking for is the opportunity to earn your business mm-hmm. and your trust and knowing that I'm going to be committed to you as every other individual, no matter what race you are. And um, it's, but like, we have to, we have to intersect. Right. We right. have every, but every, every aspect needs to be, we have to intersect right. somehow. We have to. Right. And, and I agree that it should be diversified. But if you if you look at let's say let's say there's a bucket, right? And that bucket represents black equality or or black stability or you know access to middle to upper class, whatever it is that bucket, right? And if you say you want to diversify the way that that bucket is filled, but all the other faucets are leaking, or there's a faucet wide the hell open. Five hundred million dollars a year to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, <laughs> you want to put that bucket under that five hundred and and pray to God Patrick Mahomes is going to redistribute that wealth to his community because you and I both know no one should be paid five hundred million dollars for playing the game of football. Okay, yeah. and 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 if and if you to that idea that I'm worth five hundred million dollars to play the game of football, you are the subjugation of white culture, right? But if you say it is through the access of playing the game of football that I am now able to redistribute wealth to my community, then then you keep that bucket in 500 milli, right? And you just because that five, the amount of time it would take to gain 500 million dollars from the you, this is what I'm saying. Like kind of spreading ourselves too thin, but and we, but you see it, right? You see it. There, there's. I would like to. Say, I would like to believe that you're seeing it at the national level, especially with the NBA and the progressiveness of the NBA of, of black athletes taking, taking control of themselves, as you mentioned, as the asset and finding ways to redistribute that wealth to their community. Because yes, yeah. it's a corporation now. If you, if you earn 500 million, you are your own corporation. You know, like you might, like, you might, you might have a stronger economy than uh, the the poorest country on the planet. Yes. Like, oh yes. You know I mean? like, man. Like I don't know. That's, but, a, but, <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility, man. <laughs> man, man. But I hope, I hope. I I mean, I hope you'll do well with it. It appears you some of that wealth to become a part owner in the Kansas City Royals. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. say that? No, 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 no. For real. No, yeah, yeah. He today, yeah, he he became a part owner. In, city royals so so i had no idea like this is not any I mean, news man, this is real stuff this, this is real, real stuff oh my god the man is the man is himself and in, in the upper and in, in the wealth of america but yeah but you know um, like it's it's so powerful for him because everyone wants a piece of him right and he can actually have more influence because they're like well he is a business like and right. i want his business I want to do business with Patrick Mahomes. Right. And so he can actually address more things than 
you and I cannot, you know, right, like right, right, we're, right. we're basically talking about, I'm talking about positivity. I'm talking about enhancing um, other people's mindsets and helping businesses and whatever. I can only reach so far. Right. But when you're an entity like him, you know, he can pretty much control his, his narratives and say, I can pick right, and choose right. who I want to work right. with. And that's right. very powerful. You know, like, yeah, I mean, I, I want to know that you're a diverse company, you know? Right, right. If we don't, if, if we don't capitalize on this moment of black athletes, it'll be, it'll be no different than the moment of hip hop. You know? Yes. Yeah, man. That, that, that the money, there was a chance for that wealth to be distributed to, to the larger black community. Uh, but, but it, but it came and it went, you know? Mm-hmm. But it came, but it came and it went. But I, like I said, I, I have, I, I think, especially in the NBA, I have a lot of hope for what's happening. I do. I have a lot of hope for what's I happening. I mean, we've seen what it feels like not to have sports right now. And I, I feel like, why, like, people want something. They want something to do, something to watch. And, you know, without that being like a center focus, it's been a part of our culture so much. And right. also music right now, if people walked away and said, you know, we're not going to aid this machine or whatever it is. And we're just going to find a new way where it's not in sports. Yeah, I feel like there'd be a big old hole. There'd be a mm-hmm. big void. And we look at that because there's there's a lot of black athletes. There's, I mean, the majority of the supports, the sports that we support and watch um, are pri- primarily dominated by the black athlete. Right, and for sure. Gosh, man, could you imagine what it would look like, what NBA would look like if it was only one race? Uh, <laughs> like, not being black at all? Right. It would, like, I don't know. Like, who knows? Stop, but people would stop watching pretty quick. They would, they would. And so I think that also makes it more, we should be more sensitive to what's right. going on, right? Because it's like... Right. Well, hey, 100%. we'll just take away sports. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, how much more time do I have with you? Um, I've got, I've got just a few minutes to be okay. on. So, in closing, in closing, what do you have on the horizon? Man, there's some things that we're working on. I don't know if I want to uh, give any of them away yet because just you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me think, let me think, let me think. Oh, uh, well, never mind. We, we can get to something else, man, since you okay. want to be all private. You're, you're protecting your <laughs> no, energy. No, 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 it's you. Come on, man. You, as, <laughs> as, as a building a media entity, you know, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's half of it is like making sure your ducks are in a row and the other half is just, just not, uh, not putting the cart before the horse. Like, yes, those are the same yes, things. but, yes. um, I had a lot that fell through this year though. Yeah, man. So yeah. it's like, it's just protecting the energy, but, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, we'll, we'll follow up on that soon. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, I'd love to work with you still, you know, definitely. I feel like with our minds combined, we could do some really impactful things. Right. I always appreciate Amen. your conversation. always uh, appreciate your, your intellect and you, you think pr- pragmatically, you know, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people kind of, um, what I've noticed is they say a whole bunch of words and get out of their emotions and then they realize how they feel. They're like, Hmm, I kind of feel like that, but you know, like you're a man who thinks, you know, you really think mm-hmm. uh, before you speak and um, you know, how do people follow you? Like, how do they find you? Um, Nico Giles Media, on just about anything you look for. N-I-C-O-G-I-L-E-S Media. 
right, all right, man. I appreciate you for your time. Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. Uh, keep keep optimistic. Stay positive. Be well, brother. Good to see you, man. Take care, brother. See you.